You're listening to episode 65 of the STEM Space. Are you trying to plan out your year in STEM? I've got all the tips and tricks for you as you think through how to teach STEM for every grade level. Tune in. Hey, I'm Claire. And I'm Natasha. From college roommates to co-founders of Vivify STEM, pull up a seat as we discuss our experiences as aerospace engineers, teachers, moms, program directors, curriculum writers, graduate students, and friends. This is the STEM Space Podcast. Claire, we are nearing the end of the school year. How are you feeling? Woohoo! So ready to be uh, refreshed this summer. (laughs) (laughs) Well... I don't know how refreshed you're going to be because there's something else coming very soon. That's true. I'm ready to end the semester and have a baby at the same time. (laughs) So you're going to go from no sleep because you're planning all these lessons and doing all these STEM classes to more no sleep with the newborn. Yeah. Sounds like a great plan, right? That's amazing. (laughs) And are your kids at home during the summer as well? Yes. Yes. So that'll be fun. It will. Lots of bonding time. Hopefully have more time to work on some STEM stuff too. I'm sure I'll throw that in there. Yeah. Always do, right? We make it work. (laughs) That's right. But I have so much stuff I want to fit in and I just realized I only have three more days of teaching left. Three days. Okay. What's like your plan? What are you trying to knock out in three days? Oh goodness. Lots of things. So wrapping up a rocket competition, still working on that. I have solar ovens that I'm doing with some classes, which is, you know, fantastic, especially since it's over 100 degrees every day. It's going to work really well <laughs> making those s'mores. And I really want chocolate right now. So that that's oh. triple beneficial. <laughs> I've got a hologram project I'm doing with fourth grade. Ooh, that you're going to do the hologram? That's yes. Cool. Yes. Which they're really enjoying. Oh, goodness. Trying to fill, uh, finish the alphabet with um, kindergarten. Doing that. Uh, what else do I have going on? I have a lot to cram into three days. You're actually making me start to panic. So. Okay, let's let's shift here to something positive. So we got this great question. We were recently in elementary STEM con and beyond. We had a couple sessions. And on one of our session uh, feedback surveys, someone left a comment for you. So I want to hear your mm-hmm. response says and it's anonymous so i wish i could do a shout out so if this is you feel free to comment and let us know but it says hi claire i'm a faithful listener to the podcast it was fun to see you thank you for all you teach me i'm new to stem program well it's my third year but you know the last three years have not been normal so future podcast episode how do you keep it all together all the resources organizing for all grade levels i'd love to be a fly on the wall in texas oh man i mean first off what does it even mean to keep it all together i don't think that's a that's really accurate but i do feel like being able to adapt and shift is kind of the mantra of stem education anyway because you're trying to make sure that what you're teaching is effective And so you kind of have to play off the students, but I do have a big picture plan for every grade level. And that's kind of how I stay on task. So I've talked about in previous podcasts that I have kind of a theme that I use for every grade level. I teach pre-K through seventh grade right now, adding eighth grade next year. Oh my gosh. So I have to have some sort of big picture. This is what we're doing in each grade level. And that's what keeps me sane. So um, 
yeah, so how I do that is I kind of have this start at the semester where I say, okay, in these grade levels, I'm doing space club. In this grade level, I'm doing a novel study. In this grade level, I'm doing alphabet STEM. This grade level, I'm doing this other big project. And it kind of gives me an end goal in mind. And then I build backwards from there. Ooh, I like that. Yes. And so our curriculum map, our scope and sequence of STEM is really helpful if you're getting started with that and knowing how to put together your lessons. I would say, though, the biggest tool that I use to be more specific is Google Slides. And that's what keeps me on track each day. So I'll have my big picture. What am I going to teach this year? And then I line out the lessons and then I start making my teacher slides and I'll say, okay, this day, here are all my slides and I string them together so that I can just click through. So every 40 minutes, I'm like, wait, what was I doing with this grade level? Oh yeah. Click to the next slide. Oh, it's telling me I can just follow my slides. <laughs> so are these slides just for your students or it sounds like you're using it to like organize yourself? Yes. So it's both. So I'll type in the notes if I have something, oh, I need to make sure I cover this, but it kind of gives me a starting point, kind of like an outline of what I'm doing each day. So most of my classes I teach once a week, my fifth through seventh graders, I see them twice a week. And so I need to make sure, oh, where did we leave off the previous day? And so I'll make sure that when I'm done teaching that class, I mark that on my slides of where I am so that I know, okay, this is where I need to pick up on the engineering design process for the next period or the next week. Right. And if anybody needs some teacher slides, we have those on Teachers Pay Teachers. That's a great example of how to do that with an engineering design challenge, which is what most of what I teach is. And that's, that's really my lifeline for organizing. Do you have a different set of Google Slides per class or are they all like in one per day? Good question. They're one per day. So all uh, I have to do is click smart. through. Yes. So I can even scroll down because I'll do, I have two computers up. <laughs> so I'll have one that's projecting and the other one that's just me. So I can add in things and change stuff as I'm going. Because the students are like, I don't understand. What is a galaxy? It's so all like, you know, look it up on Google and put pictures and insert things on the slides. And then it's really easy for me because I'll just click through to the next one and then it's ready to go for the next class period instead of having to pick, bring up another file. Yeah, that's really smart. And so you mentioned some of the themes, like you have like space club and this novel study. And this really, I imagine, is tying into the three stages of STEM where we're building up to some big project. But does that look differently in like kindergarten versus now you're going to add eighth grade? Like you can't kind of use the same formula, right? That's right. So for kindergarten up through first grade, they're more just self-contained kind of units. I use the kindergarten is the alphabet STEM, which is coming out this summer. So excited. <laughs> little teaser and, there. Little teaser. And then, so that's each lesson is a different letter of the alphabet and covers a an engineering design challenge or a science topic and a career connection. And so I kind of walk through that with the students. There's no big project. They don't really do the full engineering design process like the older kids do, but they kind of get into how you have to think about a design first and then you build it and ways to test. So it's, it's a shortened version of it that I usually do in one class period with them. And then 
first grade, I usually read some sort of book related to the engineering design challenge that we'll do, or we'll cover a science topic. And that's something that usually takes one or two class periods to go through. Usually read the book and then introduce the design challenge and then complete the design challenge the next class. So no big projects there. Second grade is when I start big projects. We'll work through different things such as nature and human interaction. And we talk about simple machines. And then in the spring, we'll do our big animal habitat project, which is really fun. So you get to use a green screen. So I start introducing some technology in there. And then third grade, I do STEM Explorers. And so the kids will walk through different inventions that are throughout the world and history. So they'll go to ancient Egypt and we'll get to design. That's what we're doing right now is chariots. That is really fun. So we'll do those design challenges. They start working on bigger projects too that are not really necessarily engineering related, but they did invention convention this year. So the spring is when I usually do big projects starting in second grade and they get progressively more complicated as you get older. So space club sometimes leads into a colony competition, which we're doing Mars colony next year. I'm really excited about. And then we've also done the weather balloon launch, which I'm also doing that next year as well. So more complicated Again, <laughs> I don't have enough gray hairs yet, so I'm going to do right. it again. <laughs> That's fun. I mean, yeah, you just can't beat that weather balloon launch. And I'm imagining the kids that have done it are telling the younger kids that are like, oh, my gosh. And so they're probably all begging to do this project. Yes, they're all wanting to be on the recovery team. I'm like, we haven't even started this. It's next year, guys. <laughs> but I want to go find it. I was like, well, we have to build it before we can go find right. it. <laughs> So, awesome. yeah, so it's, it's really sounds really overwhelming and it can be, but I think once you get in the groove of organizing it on the forefront, so making Google slides and having all of my materials organized, which I've gotten so much better at, I color code everything for every class. So kindergarten, everything is red. And so they have a red bin where all of their crayons are and a red tin cup where all their pencils are. Every kid has a composition notebook that has graphing paper in it. And that's what they use to draw out their designs and write out their budget. Cause I do for first grade and up, they have to have a budget for the different materials that they use for every challenge. And we have a free budget sheet on teachers pay teachers. If anybody's interested in seeing what that's like, but they, I put all their composition notebooks are in a big bin or shelving unit that's on my, in my classroom. And I use colored duct tape on the binds of each of them. So they're color coded to their class too. So if I have a kindergarten, it's like, where's my notebook? Instead of sorting through 130 of them to find their name, I'm like, well, it'd be red. It would have a red bind. So you only have, you know, 18 of them to sort through. And then I have a red bin where all their supplies are for that day. So everything's color coded and they know where it is throughout the room. So you don't also have to do that every class period. You're just like, come on in. This is what you need. Go find your stuff. And they should be able to find it. Yeah. And one teacher that's running Space Club right now, she said her challenge is where to store all the prototypes, especially, and this is middle school. And so she does the engineering design process and she wants them to have time to like redesign 
and test again and not just have it in one class period. So what she has started doing is kind of alternating when there's classes that are designing and building stuff and then the other classes are doing more technology, stop motion animation, things that don't have to be stored. Because if you have six classes of like 30 students, like that's a lot of projects. So is that a challenge? Is like how to store things? Extremely, because I have 16 classes that I teach. (laughs) So yes, I definitely stagger who is building and who is planning and who is learning the science so that we can spread that out a little bit. Something that I'm, I have shelving units in my classroom, but that gets really overwhelming too. Something that I've started doing is using just the paper sacks from the grocery store and like put all your stuff in there while you're still building and then write your name on the sack and we just store them underneath all of my computer desks that are Ooh. around the perimeter of my room. Also next year, we're adding a shelf that goes all around the room, like overhead shelf oh, to be able nice. to stick everything because we're going to have even more students in another grade. So Oh, storage is always the big issue, but spacing out who is building is number one tip there. Yeah. And you also have, I know the Lego task cards Mm -hmm. and things where you're building and then you just take it apart, right? I imagine that's nice to have that to throw in. Yes. Yes. So if it starts looking like things are going to align to where everybody's building things, that is when I throw in Lego task cards, because those are really beneficial to get kids to brainstorm and especially talking about prototyping before they start getting their hands on all the materials that I don't want them to use up so quickly. So we use Legos quite a bit, especially in projects like the animal habitat. We have some biome task cards that have been really helpful in getting kids to understand animals and how they interact with their environment, which can be kind of abstract for a lot of kids. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't know how (laughs) you keep track. I'm like trying to think, did she even tell me all the grades? Like I'm trying to go through. (laughs) I may have missed one. I don't, I don't remember. Yeah. We do other big projects too. Like fourth grade last year, we built the wheelchair and we have a podcast episode about that. Yes. So I like to do those big projects and those take, I mean, months. And so you have to store all those things and then remember, oh, where did we leave off on the design and what what science concept was I trying to teach through here? So that's another thing when my Google Slides come in, I'll be like, okay, while we're doing this, I'm just going to write a quick note to myself so that next time when I pull it up, like, oh yeah, here's where we are. And then storing all that is is a mess too. I have a lot of stuff that lives in my car because I don't have enough room in my classroom. Oh my gosh. You just need to like ask the the school board to buy like a storage unit that just goes by the STEM classroom that you could just like (laughs) dump all the things in. Oh, I would love that. Yes, definitely. Or maybe a trailer that I can haul places. Just the whole school. I need my own school. Yes. Let's do it. Well, I think one of the the challenges that teachers have is their, how do you like map out, right, this whole year? Mm. And often, you know, you're like, I'm juggling all these different grades, and it's usually centered around engineering design challenges. So they'll just do like these seasonal challenges, like it's almost Valentine's Day, let's do a catapult, or let's do, you know, like a Christmas challenge. And what I'm hearing from you is that it actually helps to have kind of a bigger theme And it doesn't always have to be a design challenge. It can be a science demonstration that maybe promotes some concepts that relate to design challenge. 
or these bigger like real world projects like a weather balloon. And I've done that one. And there's not a lot of engineering design because especially for this grade level, they really can't design their own payload. It's hard. But there's so much great science concepts and you did a whole science experiment competition. And so I want to like encourage teachers to just think more broadly about STEM and it just doesn't have to be these repetitive design challenges because honestly kids kind of get bored you know doing it over and over yes yes I I think the it's a mental shift on the teacher's part to think of what you're doing with the design challenge is applying the math and the science but the math and the science is what you're focused on in teaching it's reinforcing what they're learning in their regular classroom if you're a separate STEM teacher or if you are already the science teacher or math teacher and you're incorporating STEM, it's just the application of what you've been teaching. So once you have that mind shift and just see the design challenge as aiding in those reinforcement of those concepts, that's where you need to be focused when you map out your semester. And a lot of our design challenges, like the catapult challenge or the space lander, we start with the science background, right? We've mm-hmm. talked about the space lander where we'll do a demonstration and then the kids have to take that knowledge and apply it to a design challenge. Well, there is a new product where I'm going to post this week. We're flipping that. And so Ooh. I'm using the 5E model, if there's any science teachers that are familiar with that, but it's a science learning model. So what we're trying to teach is a the concept of genetics and traits. And we're actually doing a design challenge first. So this is kind of the opposite of what we just talked about. Hmm. So first they're building this monster. So this is a pretty common activity where you figure out what traits your monster is going to get by flipping a coin. And there's two coins, one mom, one dad, right? So they're kind of getting to see what it would look like. But we are what's called decontextualized. So it has nothing to do with traits. We're not saying phenotypes and genotypes and all these like fancy words. All they're doing is they're building a monster by flipping a coin. Maybe it'll have a curly antenna. Maybe it'll have googly eyes. And then the science builds later. So after they Mm. do this design challenge, because they're actually building a physical monster out of what these traits turn out to be. And every student will have totally different traits because it's all chance on these flipping of coins. So I think you can do it both ways where it's like, engineering uses the science or it could be billed as like this experience that kids go through. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it depends on what the science concept is because a lot of times you have to demonstrate that science in order for the kids to really have something to base what you're telling them on. Right. And so if I'm doing something like that before I do the engineering design challenge later, I'll do a science demo just so that they have something to base their concept on. So yeah. Oh, I'm excited about that product. I really want to try that with my kids. I know. I, I think it's it's such a cool idea. And I was also thinking about Carrie Tracy. We've brought her on the podcast before. Her version of adding science is she does a design challenge without science, like no introduction of science, whatever they're bringing to the table. And then they test, well, they build, they test, and then she teaches the science and has the kids redesign using the new knowledge they got. So with maybe mm. drag device, Don't tell them anything about surface area. They just kind of figure it out. And then she's like, you know why this worked? Or here's why it didn't work. How can we apply that to a redesign? Ooh, I really like that. Yeah. So so many ways to like kind of bring it all together. And it just depends, like you said, on the concept you're trying to promote. Because maybe you just want to teamwork, communication, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's just don't care about the science. Like that's (laughs) all you're focused on. 
and like kindergarten, you know, first grade, you're like bringing in the literacy piece, which I think is so cool. Yeah. So there's so many ways that you can do this. And I don't, I really think there's very few wrong ways. I, I'm being delicate with the way I'm saying that. I'm thinking through it. There are there's wrong actually, ways. There are definitely wrong ways, but I feel like if you are intentional and understand exactly. the the concept of what STEM education is for, then then you'll you'll figure it out. I mean, it's all trial and error as a teacher anyway. And your students, I mean, your students are going to have various ability levels. You might have to go back and redo something and teach it a different way. We know that with any concept you're trying to teach kids. So and if anybody has questions about how they should approach a certain subject or a standard, reach out to us because I have probably fumbled through it at some point and have learned some things too that I'd love to pass along. And that's what we're trying to do is make all of the teachers listening their job easier because you're testing this out in your classroom. I've tested these things out in my space club program and these are units. That's what really we're focused on is how can we really help those STEM teachers out there build out a whole year of STEM and it's going to look different in every classroom because maybe like you mentioned, they're a science teacher trying to, you know, add in engineering into a science classroom. They're a standalone STEM teacher and they have different standards to follow. But at least this gives you the map, you know, a way to approach STEM, looking at different goals. So I'm hoping this answers the question we got from the conference. So thank you for answering the question. And we would love to hear more from you guys. What do you want to know? And Claire, good luck. With the last three days of school, I'm hoping we can get another podcast in or two before the baby comes. Sure. <laughs> sure. Or we'll just have the baby on the podcast. There we go. <laughs> Sleep with Brad Claire. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys have a fabulous week. STEM Space out.